0: Welcome to the Courage 1000 Project, where each week we bring you inspiring stories from courageous individuals about the moments and experiences that have shaped their lives. I'm your host, Mellie S. the Story Collector, author, speaker, trainer, facilitator, videographer, award-winning photographer and entrepreneur. And I'm on a mission to help deep-feeling women reclaim their confidence, joy and purpose in life from a world that overwhelms their hearts, minds and souls. And this journey... It starts with courage. You see, after a lifelong struggle with my own identity, I discovered the core principle to reclaiming your life was courage. And it made me curious. Were there others like me? Were there others who had reclaimed their life through the secret of courage? What was courage for them? What did it look like? And where were their stories? And with that, the Courage 1000 Project was born. We're digging up the archives and bringing to you Season 1 of the Courage 1000 Project. Originally a web TV show and now available across all your favourite platforms. Let's get into it. Welcome to Melius the Story Collector Web TV, where we get to share inspiring stories from courageous individuals about the moments and experiences that have shaped their lives. In this episode, we get to talk to the gorgeous Tracy Lawrence, who is sharing with us her journey of losing two parents to dementia and why it is so fundamentally important to have those deep conversations with your loved ones before they get to that point of no return.
1: I want to share this particular story with everyone because I know in my heart that when people hear a story that resonates with them, it will give them the courage and the motivation that they need to live their lives at a higher vibration, to be able to live their, live their lives with more joy and more quality of life. Because I learned a long time ago that when you live in fear, you die a thousand deaths. Mm, that's powerful. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, you know, I, I want people to understand that there are there are things that happen in life that are that are terrifying that seem like we can never get past them, but we can. We're stronger than we think we are, and it's it, it it's important to 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 just take take it a day at a time, sometimes a minute at a time, and and get through it. Because years years later, you'll look back and say, "Wow, I can't believe I I went through all that."
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. Such a powerful message, too. Thank you. So, what story would you like to share then that goes with such a powerful message? Ah, okay. Well, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my folks
1: because um, I, you know, my my parents or um lovely people and hey uh i i had a very a very nice relationship with my with my father in particular my my mother a little less so but um but you know we i loved her um
0: <laughs> it's always that relationship with mother and daughter isn't it
1: <laughs> yeah it, you know she she could she could be tough and she was tough on me
0: yeah but um
1: but my dad and i had a great relationship because we had um we had kind of slugged it out at one point, uh, not not physically, but um, emotionally. And uh, I, I, we had come to an understanding where he and I were were really good friends. And my parents, when they retired, um, ultimately moved to Florida. And I live in northern New Jersey, here in the United States. And um, so,
0: how far is that from you then? About 1,400 miles: Oh, okay, so quite a fair distance. yeah, yeah, so
1: I, 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 it's not like I could see them all the time, but my father and I used to talk on the phone quite a lot, and my dad was very interested in, in, in my life and my you know what, what my husband and I were up to, and, uh, you know we, 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 we talked at least once a week, sometimes more, depending on what was going on, and I thought that my dad was you know was, was doing well, that's how he represented them you know. Uh, But in time, we got together for a little family get-together in Florida in the spring of 2003, and I got to see my dad, and I realized that he wasn't quite as well as he was representing. Oh. Yeah. Uh, He was sick, and I didn't know how sick, but it was kind of alarming because... You know, one one of the interesting things that 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 I've come to realize, you know, I I I thought you know my father was being really masterful at disguising what was going on with him, but the truth is that as a child, I didn't really didn't want to believe that anything was going on that was you know that 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 was in any way um, you know unpleasant, and so I was kind of complicit in helping him to you know. carry on that (laughs)
0: masquerade. yeah you're choosing not to see it yeah yeah so
1: well you know so when i when i did go to see them my both my parents and 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 saw the way my father was moving and they was clearly in pain and not doing real well i you know it was alarming and uh shortly after that visit my father had gone for uh an open lung biopsy to find out why he was having such trouble breathing, and he was diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis. What's which, yeah? Well, well, it 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 makes the the the, the lobes and the lungs stiff. You know, because okay. the lungs really need to be pliant in order to be able to breathe properly, and his were you know like very very you know like tight, so he couldn't couldn't breathe well. Yeah. At the same time, when they did that that procedure they didn't close him up very well and he was bleeding internally and didn't realize whoa yeah so i was talking to my dad on the phone and he was telling me he wasn't feeling well and i i i I said dad please you know call call 911 get 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 to the hospital and he said he, he promised that he would call if he didn't feel better soon And that was Sunday night and Monday morning at 8 a.m. I called my parents' apartment and nobody picked up the phone. So I called the local hospital and I asked if Herb Lawrence was in the hospital and they said, well, yes, he is. So I went on down to Florida immediately, got, got on the first plane down and marched into the hospital. And walked into his room and he was sitting up in bed and he looked at me with such shock and he said, how did you find me? And I said, I'm a genius dad. I figured it out. And, uh, I said, so how are you feeling? He's like, what do you mean? It's like, um, you're in the hospital. You're sick. I'm sick. Mm. And that's when I realized that things were really, really bad because he could not remember how he got to the hospital. His short-term memory completely evaporated. Whoa, is
0: that because and, of what happened?
1: Well, there were other things going on, but th- this, this, um, this major uh, health crisis made him vulnerable and his, he could no longer carry on the, the, the charade that he was okay. And the house of cards came tumbling down. And what was never properly diagnosed, my father had dementia, but um, in time, I came to understand that it was vascular dementia. And that made sense in context of the other things that were wrong with him, including coronary artery disease, um, for which he had been treated with double bypass when he was 56. Oh, okay. Yeah, so my father had been a three pack a day smoker for a long time and he was not terribly fit and his diet wasn't great so um all those things put together conspired to make him a sick man when he was in his 70s so um his, the um the bypass surgery you know gave him 20 good years where he was, you know, he was functioning well, and he did stop smoking. God bless him. He was he, he, he stopped smoking full turkey, but um, you know the other things like not getting a lot of exercise and 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 not really paying much attention to his diet. Um, you know, uh, things happen, so uh, it it was very distressing, and my um, my brother and I. My brother also lives in in northern New Jersey with his family. And we decided that we would bring my parents north to get my father looked at and to find out what was was going on with him. And unfortunately, we basically confirmed what we were told by the Floridian doctors was that my father had a lot of things wrong with him. Uh, He had pulmonary fibrosis. He had... um, He had a hiatal hernia, and an early cancer in his esophagus, and um, congestive heart failure, low low blood pressure. So he was a mess. And the the cherry on the top of the cake was that he just didn't want to live because he was no longer the person he valued being. Yeah. He was in sheer terror all the time because he could not remember how he got in a particular place at any given time. Yeah. So, you know, it got to got to a point where uh, you know I realized that there were a lot of things that I needed to know. And I didn't know how many of those things my mother knew. And so I would have to ask them really pointy questions. Yeah. And the funny thing about my dad, though, was that he had what 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 are what, what are called lucid windows where he would just all of a sudden he would like show up like with all of his faculties. Yep. And if I talked about anything financial, I mean if I would I would uncover like, you know, oh, where did this annuity come from? He's like, oh I bought that annuity in uh in 1979 and it was for this much money and this was the interest rate. And I was just like (laughs) <laughs> why well, just shut up, Dad? That's cool. You know, and then the next thing I knew he was like, you know, he, he, he didn't know where he was or why he was there. So, you know. And um, you know, it was just it, it, it was it was really interesting. Now, I was a graphic artist most of my adult life. So, you know, having to deal with my parents' finances and geriatric illnesses and cognitive decline and long-term care insurance and all this other stuff that I Found myself confronted with it was all like brand new stuff to me and it, it was it, it was just startling and I, I had to, I had to acquire a whole new skill set yeah so, and, and at the same time I'm having to deal with the idea that I'm losing my father who is also my friend and I'm having to deal with my mom who's in denial and is very dependent on my father and is treating me like garbage because she can because I'm there and so it was it
0: was it was a lot it was a lot yeah there's a lot to, on your plate emotionally let alone the physicalities of what you need to do to help support them as well yes yes and you know having my fan my, my parents come live in my house was kind
1: of like yeah, you know <laughs> oh. You know, I don't think it's, it's a natural thing for any, any uh, adult to have their parents live in their house. You know, if you're not used to it, it's a, it is a huge slap in the head. Yeah. So, um, so, so, so that was, that was kind of difficult. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, um, my dad's condition continued to deteriorate. And there was, there were a lot of things that happened along the way, but Um, we made some decisions, including moving my folks to an assisted living facility so that they could each have their own room. My father was hallucinating constantly and he would act out in his hallucinations. So when he and my mother were sharing a bed, my father would do things to my mother that would bruise her. Mm, Yeah. He he was doing and he was acting out. So what her arm would, would be covered in bruises. And I was really, I was concerned for her. And I didn't have another bed to put her in. Yeah. So, you know, so I, and, and I also knew that he, they needed to be in close proximity because when he was, he started to freak out, he'd look for mom. Yeah. So uh, we persuaded them to, um, to take this this apartment in, in, in an assisted living facility where they could be together, but be in separate beds and also have additional support so that when, you know, when, when things were, getting crazy there was always somebody there to 24 7 to help them yeah and when i mentioned you know when we talked to my dad about this idea and the whole idea of spending so much money to be in a in an apartment with assistance you know his first reaction was you ain't gonna warehouse me (laughs) (laughs) and i said no dad we're not gonna warehouse you but what we are gonna do is we're gonna ask you to, uh, to, 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 to stay in this apartment with mom so that you can get the care that you need and she can have the backup that she needs to help take care of you. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I can't do it here in my house. I would if I could, but we're, just, we're not set up for it. Yeah. And that was a very tough conversation to have, but he ultimately, he saw the wisdom in it and he allowed it. And they moved into that place, and my father—they weren't there for very long because not too soon after they moved in, my father died of uh, congestive heart failure.
0: So, and that
1: was that. That's 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 the 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 start of my story, <laughs> which which uh, I'll, I'll, uh, which. In time, my mom mom lived on her own in Florida for a couple of years, and then um, she started having some issues, and it became clear that she was developing cognitive decline, and I was going to have to sharpen up my, uh, my, my caregiving skills yet again and bring mom to come live with us in New Jersey while she entered her downward spiral. Yeah. And that led me to write my book, Dementia Sucks. (laughs) And <laughs> not,
0: not as well as I do. <laughs> So, how so, did you keep yourself sane through all that? Because there was so much on your plate, and having to confront your parents declining and becoming dependent on you—that takes a lot of courage to stay strong in that moment and not regress to the inner child and just <laughs> mourn for someone who is still physically there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Well, thank you. Um, well, one of the
1: things that I did was number one, uh, I journaled. I, 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 I I'm uh, my way of coping when things are, 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 going crazy is to write stuff down. I vote. Uh, that's, that's, that's always been my nature um, by writing things out. It's kind of like uh, allows them out of my bloodstream. Yeah, <laughs> the and, um, and, and then, you know, if, after doing that a couple days later I'll go back and massage it and make it into something that's more digestible by other people because I, I you know I like to when I write I like to inform and I also like to entertain I, I have a I, I guess you can tell I have kind of a sense of humor uh, I like to make people laugh and I like to take things that are scary or uh, or upsetting and put kind of a an amusing spin on it because look, we're we're all going to have to go through some uncomfortable things in life. You know, it's, it's not all, you know, um, unicorns and rainbow poop, you know, (laughs) there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of ugly that we all have to go through and a lot of sadness and a lot of illness. And, you know, I mean, it's life is, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it changes and it, you know but the, the cool thing is that if you have the right perspective you understand that that when those bad things happen they're there so you, that you appreciate the great stuff that happens it's, yes. it, you know that you can truly feel gratitude and <clears throat> my life is all about gratitude i feel like i'm one of the most blessed people who's ever walked this stinking planet and um and and i just i feel very blessed to be here i feel blessed that my parents did such so many smart things before they died, that they 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 bestowed me with so many gifts, genetically and intellectually, and you know, every other way that you can imagine. Um, and I'm grateful for having had the opportunity to help them, to, to give back to them, to be able to give each of them and forgive me, there are gonna be people who are gonna hear this and go. But I I gave them both a good death. Yep. And I think that that is one of the most beautiful and loving things that you can do for another human being is to help them to have the best possible death so that they don't know fear and they don't know pain, that they're just able to transition to the other side with as, as little angst as possible. And I was able to do that for both of my parents and I. I am very grateful for that.
0: That's so beautiful. That's just beautiful to be able to do that for somebody and not put, your, put yourself into that situation because that's hard to watch someone slip away. But oh, yeah, there's that's a lot it. of emotions in that and honoring them and it's the fact it's their journey, not your own. That's huge. Yes,
1: yes. Well, it, but you know what? It, 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 it is your journey too you know it, it's in it, it, i I learned so much from what I went through with them, and it inspired me to create a business and to publish my book or get my book published I should say and uh and and, and to be able to share my knowledge and share what i've been through with others so that they will be motivated to be more proactive so that they will uh, be more cognizant of what happens when caregiving comes into your life and so that they will be more uh more more practical more willing to practice self care to yeah. understand the importance of that yeah you know, i i talk i i talk a lot in, in the book about yoga and meditation and and doing those kinds of things to be able to um you know, preserve myself, um, mm-hmm. exercise—very important. Yep. Um, Cause and,
0: yeah, because you're not healthy, how can you look after these other people? You need to be looking after yourself first. Yes, and and, and most caregivers
1: don't that don't don't go by that, and they 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 feel guilty if they take time after themselves. They feel guilty about it, like they, like they, they took time away from these other people, and it's like, look. You go down in flames, everyone who depends on you goes down in flames. So you really owe it to everyone in your life to take very good care of yourself. Yep. It's extremely important. Did you know that 50% of family caregivers of people with dementia die before the people they're taking care of? Are you serious? Oh, yeah. That's a horrible oh. thing. Yes, it is. And that's, that's, that, that's part of the reason why I do this. Because... I've known people who died from, from what I call reckless caregiving because mm-hmm. they were looking after themselves because they, they, they would get sick and they'd be so focused on taking care of this other person that they wouldn't go to the hospital and they would die. And then what happens? You know, Then that person has to be looked after by someone else who probably isn't, you know, isn't going to do the same job you would and in some cases, there isn't anybody else, and then the state has to step in. What a horror. You know, so um, I want people to take better care of themselves. Oh, and by the way, if it's a spouse of someone with dementia, it's a, if they die 63% of the time before the person that they're taking care of.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: So, um, so, so folks, if you, have, if you have elderly folks and one of your parents has dementia and the other is looking after them, please look after them. When they say, I got this, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Take that at face value. Yeah. Visit. Often. I know it's hard. And that's, and that t- it takes courage. All right. Because they are going to give you the step on. They are going to give you a hard time. They are going to try to do things to upset you because the, the thing is that they feel like they're losing control and they are so what they will do instead is try to regain control by controlling you <laughs> they will push your buttons because they know exactly where they are yeah so but it's really important that it to 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 to, to understand what's going on yeah that what they're doing is coming out of fear and that by being compassionate and that's my cat. Um, <laughs> by being compassionate and by, by, by being loving and patient, um, you can really help them to understand that it's okay to be scared. Yeah. You'll, 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 you'll hang in and you'll help, you'll help them. And it's okay to take help from you, you know, it's and really
0: all, having those conversations with them that are very uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. need to be said in order to help each other. Yes.
1: Yes, and, and it's extremely important to have them, but most people are frightened, and a, a lot I hear a lot of of, um, of aging parents say, "Well, I don't want to burden my kids with this stuff," and it's like, "Well, you're going to be a lot more of a burden if you don't have the conversation." Yeah, because one way or another, you're going to get involved, and if you don't have the conversation, then you're you're burdening them with second-guessing you, trying to figure things out on their own, and the guilt that, that they'll feel for not having had the conversation and for possibly not honoring your wishes because you didn't make them clear. Yeah. So, yeah. so, um, so that's, that's the biggest burden. And, and I, I, I talk to, 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 to families all the time. That's what my business has become. I, I, I talk to, to, to mostly to the adult children, but also to their parents. And I have successfully persuaded resistant parents to have those conversations. And I've, I've gotten people who would not do estate planning to finally do their estate plans. It's, it, it And it's easier for me because I'm not their child.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, you can come in and with that impartialness to everything that's happening and say, no, this is what you need to do. And this is a result if you don't do it. Yep. Right. All right. I, I, well, I, I,
1: I, I never tell people what they need to do, but I will give them examples of yep. people who didn't do what I suggest they do and what some of the consequences are. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I love talking about like Aretha Franklin,
0: mm-hmm. the Queen of Soul, right? Yeah, what happened with Aretha?
1: Oh, well she died without a will. And she knew she was sick for a long time. She left ninety million dollars and 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 two and two feuding kids and and, and um and and, and a, a niece, I believe. They're all fighting over her estate because she didn't bother to put it in writing.
0: And that's horrible to think that a family's being broken up over something as trivial as that.
1: Yeah. And I mean that's a that's a boatload of money. Yeah. Have you- Prince, Prince, died, Prince died with millions of dollars, and, and, and he had a child, and no one, no one benefited because he didn't have a will, mm. you know. And, and it's it's tragic because you know this this money gets squandered and it goes to all the wrong people, you know. If, if I'm sure, if Prince had known what was going to happen to his legacy. All right, I, I think he probably would have done something a little different. Yeah, but you know, uh, and and there are lots of those stories. You know, people die. Very famous people die without wills, and because they die without a will, their business becomes public record. Mm-hmm. So yeah. everybody knows what was left and who the players are, and you know, it's just it's more fodder for the for the tabloids. Yeah, you know, and and you know, even people who are like you know ce- celebrities who are pretty private <laughs> all their all their journey laundry is laid out for the world to see now of course they're not around you know to, to, to suffer it any
0: longer but their families are yeah and then someone else is dealing with the consequence of that yeah yeah so you know folks get a little it's not that big a deal
1: <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a whole lot you know i mostly got that macintosh computer up there that doesn't work anymore it turns on that this drive doesn't work But, uh, (laughs) but the point is that, you know, you, you, you want to make sure that the things that you would like to have happen when you're no longer here happen, you know, your words are honored then. Absolutely. And what's even more important than that is letting somebody know what you would want to have happen if you're alive and can't speak for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's even more important because that, that to, to have to be in that that twilight area where you're still alive and unable to speak. Uh you know, everyone should have an advocate. You know, we all need to appoint advocates. We all need to say, in in the event that I can't speak for myself, here's the person who knows what my deal breakers are. Here's the person who knows what what will happen on my last day, yeah. you know. And, and that's an extremely important decision to make and not just make the decision, but formalize it, you know, put it in writing, um, have an attorney drafted for you. So it's legal, you know, in this country, we have what are called HIPAA laws. Um, it, 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 it it's, if, if you do not put in writing who your advocate is, they can't be your advocate. It doesn't matter if they're your spouse or your parent, it doesn't matter. You need to have it in writing. Or the or or the medical personnel don't have to speak to anybody. You have to have a piece of paper that says it's okay. And that's extremely important. So, you know, I I, I, I go around annoying people all the time telling me, you, have have you have to have a living room. Please put it in writing. You know? It no. doesn't matter if you think you're too you're too poor for it to matter. I'm sorry. You can you can afford a few hundred bucks to get an attorney to write up this stuff for you and get it, get it executed the right way so that you have all your ducks in a row.
0: Yeah. So through all this journey, then what has been your definition of courage? Cause from the sounds of it, it may have changed a bit after you've gone through this process. Um, I think um, courage is being scared out of your mind and doing the right thing anyway. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely what you face through this entire journey with your parents, being scared of what's to come, but facing it anyway. Yep. Yeah, I love it. Thanks. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm very
1: fortunate. I, 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 I've always been the one who kind of keeps, keep, keeps calm when, 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 when things are going crazy. I have my breakdown later when everybody else is, <laughs> everybody else is drunk. <laughs> but um yeah so you know I'm, I'm just i'm very very fortunate and uh i hope that people will will learn from my example but the things that happen to me don't just happen to other people they happen to most people
0: big thank you to our episode sponsor 1000 ripple effects a thousand stories creating healing ripples throughout the world and changing lives just go to a thousand If you are feeling stuck and overwhelmed right now and are struggling to find your courage jump over to melies.com.au to claim your free personalized insights and discover the three things you need to know to reclaim confidence joy and purpose in
1: your life